What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Keep an eye on time. Talk Recorded live. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. Appreciate you folks being there in the chat room tonight. A lot of folks there, and I appreciate it very much. And um, folks, tonight we're going to be hearing from Brother Dave Kennedy tonight. He's going to uh, let us know what's been on his heart. He's going to preach us a sermon to start with, and then after he finishes his sermon, I've got a few things I want to go over 
in the book of Thessalonians and also in the book of Timothy. But anyway, you guys doing okay? I'm doing great, Pastor. Everything okay. And I apologize for the other night. Uh, right in mid-sentence, I got cut off. My phone service and Internet service has been messed up all week long, so if it happens tonight, you don't hear no more from me, Just uh, it'll be because the phone shut down and I couldn't get back in. Doing okay, Brother Chad? Amen, Brother and, Don. And Amen. Brother, Brother Chad will be with us Monday night, and he'll be... Um, He'll be preaching his sermon this coming Monday night instead of tonight with Brother Dave. So we're fixing to go ahead and get started. If you would, um, Brother Dave, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer. Yes, I will. Father, we come to you tonight, and we come with thanksgiving. We come that with thanksgiving for the fact that you had planned before the foundations of the world how you had this plan of salvation and that you agreed together corporately, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, to put this plan into action and to save your people. And do I understand it all? No. Am I grateful? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I give thanks, Lord, that you've saved us, not by works that we have done, but by your grace. Yes, Lord. By your righteousness, you've imparted it to us freely, and you are our righteousness. And for this, I'm truly grateful, and I pray tonight that the message that I have, and I believe to some extent at least it's been inspired, and I pray that whatever in this message tonight you want to stress in the hearts and minds of the people that you would help me to be absolutely fluid in that area and any area you'd rather cut short or not have spoken a lot of, just put it on my heart and mind not to say much about that. And I pray that those things that you desire for the listeners to hear and to understand deeper and to have a revelation of those things in the Word of God, that you would turn on light bulbs in their head, Lord, that you would turn on revelation and give them second witnesses, that you would give them scriptures in their mind that show that what you're saying is true. And I pray that tonight you would do a work in all of our hearts towards finishing the work here on earth that you've called us to and that you've planned from the foundation of the world. And with that being asked, Father, if any of this please you, I pray that it's done in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. 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 And folks, before Brother Dave gets started, I'm going to ask you something. Do you realize that where were your sins when Christ died? Think about what I'm saying now. Every sin that you ever committed or ever will commit was in the future when Christ died. So for those that have doubts about their salvation because maybe they've stumbled in the flesh or something like that, or backslid and are coming back to the Lord, just remember everything that you've ever done is in the future from the cross forward. The blood of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Okay? 
Everything was in the future. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying completely. But fellowship and all that other stuff, that's a different story. We've went over it many, many times. But the brethren get beat up on a lot of times by hearing people preaching sermons or giving verses of Scripture that indicate that the elect can lose their salvation. And the elect can't because you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Now, you think that the Father would choose something that he was going to discard later on? He would be a failure. See, it's not by anything we do. It's all by Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. So, everything was in the future. Don't forget that. Amen. Everything was in the future. But your fellowship and daily walks a different ball game. I just wanted to say that before the program got started. Good. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Take it take it away. Okay. Before I do, Lord Jesus, I ask you tonight that if it please you, that you enable me to preach your word, to speak your word. And if it doesn't, then may it fall on dead ground. But, Father, in the name of Jesus, if what I say is true, and what I preach is true, let it go forth and do the work to which you've called your scriptures to do, and I ask this in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Okay, in the Christian community, we have many different teachers, and, you know, they're teaching all kinds of strange doctrines. We have the Word of Faith people, And they believe you can frame your surroundings through positive confessions and confessing God's word. It is like witchcraft in a way, and and they go around chanting their positive confessions at every possible moment when people ask about things. And we have charismatic doctrines that teach that many of the strange and weird spiritual manifestations are the Holy Spirit. But in most cases, these are just demons and or fleshly responses or attention-getters. We have Christian identity that believes you can only use the name of Yava or something similar when you pray, and they share the belief with Hebrew roots that you are saved by works and keeping the Old Testament law. We have old-line denominations that teach a little truth here and a little there and a lot of falsehoods. We have compromisers and politically correct pastors teaching homosexuality and transgenders can be Christians and should be accepted and are loved of God. We have satanic Jesuit and serpent seed infiltration of the seminaries and Bible colleges and pulpits. In Christianity, we have mass confusion, demonic doctrines, false teachers, and preachers. In the midst of this, we have Christians who believe there will be an end times revival so massive and so great 
that the heathen of the world will be swept into the church in a mighty move of the word and spirit of God. This is not word-based belief, but demonically inspired belief. They think that they have the truth so they can relax and be self-satisfied in a righteous high tower, a fictitious stronghold of truth where God protects them. All this counterfeit Christianity will experience great judgment, tribulation, and wrath from God. The hand of God will send the wrath, and then it will be poured out on the world. But the real believers will receive persecution, provocation, and sorrow at the hands of the world system and their king, Lucifer. Which would it be better to suffer at the hands of the enemy or at the hands of God for standing in the place of his enemy? Would it be better to suffer at the hands of Lucifer because you're his enemy and gain great rewards? Or suffer at the hands of God our Father because you took on false doctrine and are now standing in his way and standing in the place as an enemy and now receive wrath and punishment here on earth and be taken out by God. I want to play a short three-minute video here. I believe you will appreciate this. Three minutes, folks. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now, but they will come after us, and they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad, while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society, as has already happened, Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children and for most of you, they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination in the university and indoctrination, and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little, the net is closing around, and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred, 
and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots, as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God and common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. And note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Yes, there we go. I thought that was very apropos to what was on my heart to preach about tonight. And that was um, Pastor Paul Washer from Alabama, I believe. Mm -hmm. Most of this false Christianity has... At its core, the belief in a great, magnanimous God of love who just wants to bless everybody at the slightest show of interest in Him. When they think about God, they think about a loving God. They believe the main goal of God in the world is to save everyone. But Jesus said this in Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables. Because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are full of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, dull of hearing, sorry, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Folks, it's pretty clear, Jesus is saying, there are people that are so degenerate and so far from him and whom he hates. And he does not want to save them. He loves his kingdom. He loves his abode. Does he want such trash, trash living in eternity forever with him in his kingdom among his children? Hardly. He doesn't want them saved and they're doomed to their position and place. And in Acts 28, verses 25 to 27, Paul said almost word for word the same thing that Jesus said. 
But the most important verses to all these deceivers are the ones that say, God is love. Some Christians can even quote a Bible verse, and they love the verse in 1 John 4. And it says, verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And, you know, that God is love moniker makes everything okay. Like, we just love and accept everything because God is love. And, you know, he would never treat anyone harshly. He would never punish. And he would never take wrath or vengeance. But we must accept and be loving and tolerant. Oh, how true that is that God is love. God is the very beginning of all true love. But God is an awesome, complex individual, and he has many desires and emotions, all righteous and all in control. God is a God of righteous judgment who desires to see everything perfect and in order again. Those same people who love to quote that verse stop there, erect their fortress, and remain saying, This is God's word. I shall not be moved. This is a commendable sentiment, folks, but it has to be applied to the full counsel of God in his word. The truth is, God is also a righteous judge, an executioner, a warrior, a defender of truth, a defender of his word, and destroyer of the kingdom of darkness and much more. God should be feared. Yes, we should have a holy reverence, but also a very real nervous fear. A fear that we may do the wrong thing and suffer great punishment, suffer loss, suffer loss of eternal wards, and forever be naked and ashamed. So God is love. But if you keep reading 1 John, you will see who God loves. So don't stop there at verse 8. Keep reading on into the chapter. 1 John 4, continued in verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, are you getting it? He loved us, his saints, those who he foreordained from the foundation of the world. He loves us. He didn't say that about everyone in the Bible. We ought also, it says in continuing in this verse, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Oh, we really need to work on that. For sure. We really need to love one another. We really do. I all for that. And his love is perfected in us when 
we reach out to others and allow God's love to flow through us. Amen. Verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. So God who loves us, he has his spirit in us and he loves us. We are his. Not all people, not all mankind are his. In verse 16 it says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Oh my, did you catch that? God directs his love at his people. Not everyone, but but God loves everybody. Some people say, David, God loves everybody. Oh, sorry. Can you quote me a Bible verse that says God loves everybody? It's not a verse in the Bible. But he says in John three, sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, yes. God loves his creation. His world order of the arrangement of species that he personally made. God loves his apt and harmonious order of his created creatures under his government. Not the perverted, out-of-order, race-mixed, species-combining world of Lucifer and his fallen angels that we have inherited and live in today, which is getting worse all the time. Peter tells us what God did to those he did not love. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world. Hmm. The old world. You know, a lot of us think of such short time spans, and to us the old world is like Europe or something. <laughs> but God's saying, oh, the old world is the, the one that I flooded. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Hmm. Maybe that was God showing love there. Showing love to the eight people he didn't drown, but showing wrath to the rest of the entire planet whom he hated. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. There you see, quite clearly, God does not love everyone. There is a time when you break God's patience and you're standing in the way of God's plan. He's going to take you out. You're in the way. The wrath of God is coming, and it's coming quickly. Jude also says, Jude 1, verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. 
and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. There we see quite clearly God's not loving everyone, but He is loving His people. He is sparing His people. He is sparing His word. He is sparing those by whom which the Christ, the Messiah, should be sent through to the earth. So yes, God loves us. God loves His children. God loves His people. But those that stand in His way, they shall get wrath, vengeance, eternal fire. The strange flesh in this verse mainly refers to angelic beings that put off their first estate and became flesh and blood agents of Lucifer. Should God allow that to continue? Was God not justified in taking them out? Was God not justified to spare those who he loved by destroying his enemies? Did God love all these he destroyed? At one time, maybe. But he came to despise and hate them and destroyed them. This was an act of love to protect his word his people, and his creation. See, God even destroyed some who came out of Egypt because they believed not. But the scripture says, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. In Romans 9, 6, it says that. Remember, a mixed multitude came out of Egypt with our ancestors, Israel. In Exodus twelve thirty eight tells us that. It wasn't until after they were allowed to leave their captivity in Babylon hundreds of years later that they finally obeyed the law to be separate and holy people. To be holy means to be separated unto God. Not to be living with all kinds of different races together and mixed. No, separate unto God. And not mixed with so-called brethren that refuse to believe God's word. Not Man. mixed with them either, even if they're white. Man. At this time, they separated the mixed multitude from themselves after they were allowed to go out of Babylon. In Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 3. So, you wonder why Israel had so many false gods, evil traditions, and wicked leaders. God saves those who he loves and destroys his enemy and throws them into fire. Even people who are saved can have their flesh destroyed that their spirit will be saved. Amen. Amen. If you get in his way, he can do this. If he chooses, he will take you out. 1 Corinthians 5.5 5. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, 
that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He was a Christian man, living in sin, carnal sin, fornication. Paul was saying, pray that his flesh be destroyed, that he may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So let us not, let us walk softly, brothers. Let us walk softly and fear that we too become deceived and fall into something that we know not of, what, where we're in error. Error can come on and deceive you so quickly and you don't even know it. Next thing you know, you're in over your head. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 42. And Moab shall be destroyed from being a people because he hath magnified himself against the Lord. Well, if that was going to be the word God used for today, well, I think it would be the days of Noah all over again, and there might be a few of us left living. It seems that everywhere we go, everyone knows more than the Bible. Everyone says the Bible's nonsense. It's fairy tales. It's it's just stuff uh, men wrote in the past for amusement, stories. They know more than God. They've magnified themselves against the the word of God, against the Lord. They say it's allegories. It's just allegories, just fables, just stories. You see now how God does not love everybody? Well, keep calling God's word an allegory and a fable, and, you know, you have to see symbols in this and that and see how far it gets you with God. See, keep on tempting him. See, see if he doesn't maybe take you out because you're in the way, deceiving and destroying his plans on the earth with your false teachings. You don't, in most cases, destroy what you love, especially a whole nation like Moab. But God destroyed them, took them out, the whole people, every one of them. In Romans chapter 9, verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I hated. I hated. Says it right there. I hated. God loves everybody. God says, I hated. I hated Esau. I hated. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 3, it says, second witness. And I hated Esau. I hated. I hated. I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. There we go. Two witnesses. God hates. God hates people. God hates men. Men that stand in his way. Men with evil hearts. Men that won't repent. Men that challenge God. Hosea chapter 9 verse 15. All their wickedness is in Gilgal. For there I hated them. For the wickedness of their doings, I will drive them out of mine house. I will love them no more. All their princes are revolters. And this is talking about his own people, Israel. They got so far out of God's plan and desire and workings. Not that God didn't know this was going to happen. 
but he made a plan for it to bring them back. But he said, I'll love them no more. And he hated them now. He hated Israel. Those ten northern tribes. There are people who can lose their salvation. Not the elect of God, though. Some lost God's love and gained hatred in the Old Testament. Such as the ten tribes of Israel. This happens in the New Testament also. Romans 9.25 As he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. They were not beloved, Israel, any longer. But he made the way to bring them back, if they would receive him. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord, thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Deuteronomy 32, verse 41. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh, and that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. You don't want to be found on the wrong side, folks. Dear dear Christians, you can be found on the wrong side, helping God's enemies, living in sin, compromising. Next thing you know, you're accepting homosexuals and transgenders and calling them your brother. And the slippery slide goes on until you're standing in God's face as an enemy and not even asking for mercy. For an example, do you think the Father is not going to repay those Jews who killed his son Jesus? In Luke chapter 9 verse 27, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Amen. Amen. He also burns them. See the parable of the terrors in Matthew 13, verse 30, and Obadiah, where he slaughters and burns up all the Edomites. Esau, a son of Israel, uh, excuse me, a son of Isaac. He was of, of the same seed line as Jacob Israel, and he chose to stand in the place of an enemy. And what happened to him and his seed line? They will all be wiped out. And we heard how God said, I hated Esau. 
said it twice, just to make sure you understood. But I guess they say God loves everyone. Hmm? Hmm. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. You are not to heap benefits, accolades, and rewards on God's enemies. And that means the Antichrist Jews and Muslims too, among others. Even others that profess Christian doctrines sometimes. I don't care what they say, it's what they do. If you do expect to see God's wrath, if you do expect to see God's wrath, if you help his enemies, because wrath is wrath upon thee from before the Lord, because you helped his enemies. Sometimes we we think his enemies are just, uh, you know, like the drug dealer down the street or the prostitute on the corner or the politician who's always lying to us. What about the, 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 the preacher in the pulpit? What about the person who's giving you a load of false doctrine and leading many people to hell, leading people to destroy their own lives with falsehoods and lies? Amen. They're enemies, and yet we tithe to them. Some people tithe to them. Now, this is done in ignorance, but when does God say enough is enough? You're helping my enemies. Somebody wake up. Tell these people before I have to set it straight, before I have to take them out. Somebody tell them to straighten out and repent and stop. But most of them, but most of them will think it is the devil punishing them for helping the chosen ones when God brings wrath on them. You know what, you know what Forrest Gump said? Stupid is as stupid does. And they won't even know. God is love, yes. And God is a consuming fire, taking vengeance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And again in verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. He consumes his enemies. He consumes evil. He consumes tares. Everyone. God knows the heart. God knows the mind. God knows those who won't repent. God knows those who are standing in his way. Some are even his people and he's going to take them out. They'll still be saved. Spirit will be saved. They won't likely get any rewards, but they'll have to have their body taken out. And they won't even know why. But I'm here today, I hope, to tell you by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God that you don't want to be there. You don't want to be spreading false doctrines and false lies. If you're teaching God's Word and teaching God's people you better be rooted and grounded in the scriptures, in the truth. Because, hey, 
you will be in his way. Look at what happens to those God loved, but who would not work for him and gain rewards for their work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Everything on earth, all his works destroyed, burned up, but he comes out smelling like smoke, but he's still alive. No rewards, no righteous garments to wear. What happens to those who God does not love is worse. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Can you say great tribulation? Verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So they don't just get taken out on earth, but they get suffer the second death as well and are destroyed in the fires because our God is a consuming fire. Where's God's love? Where are all the equal rights? Why? God isn't treating everybody the same. Second Peter verse or chapter three, verse seven. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Hmm. But God loves everyone. God loves everyone. Perdition of ungodly men. Judgment. The day of judgment. It's coming. It's coming. Don't be found on the wrong side. Verse 12. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Our God is a consuming fire. Do not be found among the perdition of ungodly men because Jesus in three verses warns you twice to repent. So repent of your sins and beg the Lord Jesus Christ himself to give you a clean heart and to give you the miracle of being born of God and having all your sinful nature and your spirit circumcised and removed. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And again in verse 5. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In Revelations chapter 14, verse 9. And the 
third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Hmm. God is love. Oh, yeah. He loves his people, his kingdom, his son, his work enough to take the enemies out, to take them out and destroy them forever. Chastening and scourging is what the Father does to those he loves. Those that follow the beast are hated of God, regardless of what they professed with their mouths. There are many examples of people who got in God's way, in other words, worked against his plans, and God destroyed them. Here are some. Jude, chapter 1, verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. These people were race-mixing with foreigners and fallen angels, as well as being involved with homosexuality. You know, I read where visitors to their land would get no food or lodging or help from anyone and were allowed to starve and face the elements, but not allowed to leave the land. They took great delight in watching these people starve to death slowly, even though they were extremely wealthy. No one was allowed to help. If you did, you would suffer the same penalty. God had just destroyed the world by flood, not long before this. And he had a race of man who was not corrupted in their gene pool, in their genealogy. Now, these people were getting in God's way and destroying the plan to have the Messiah come from our ancestors, Israel. There are many more examples. Leviticus 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. High priests, son of Aaron, priests of God, these men thought they would show men how to worship God their way. What God said wasn't right and didn't really matter. I mean, we can take shortcuts. They were, according to the law, to take the fire from the brazen laver at the altar. But they took it from somewhere else. Did they do it purposely? Was it a shortcut that they took just this time? Or was it on purpose? I believe it was on purpose either way. They were to know the law. They were the priests doing the service, doing the service to God's people, doing the service, just like pastors and ministers today are 
doing the service to God's people? Did they do they make their errors willingly? Do they do it intentionally or did they make that shortcut, that little mistake? Hmm. What what if what if what if God does the same and takes them out? Had enough leading his people astray, there's so few left. Leviticus, that's in Leviticus ten, verse one and two, and in Numbers chapter three, verse four. The ever-burning fire on the altar was kindled from heaven originally. And you can see that in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 9, in verse 13, and in chapter 9, verse 24. Did God love them? Yes, I believe so. I believe God did love them. They were elect being leaders and priests in Israel. They were among the what the elect was called then Kahal, leadership of Israel, priests doing the service. The judgment for their errors would be much more than to regular people, regular Israelites to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. Their way was wrong, arrogant, and rebellious. These were the formative years of Israel, and God would not stand for these men leading God's people astray or taking shortcuts with the law. They got in the way. God hated what they did. Look at what happened to King David when he got in God's way. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart and beloved of God, but he got in God's way, and God hated what he did. I imagine what happens to those Imagine what happens to those who God hates. In First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 5, And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were thousand, thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew the sword. And Judah was four hundred, three score, and ten thousand men that drew the sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore he smote Israel. In verse 14 it continues and says, So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the, of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes, and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. Remember what happened to Balaam and to Israel when they got in God's way? And he hated it. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 25 and chapter 31. In 1 Corinthians 
chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, 320,000. Okay, 300. Three and 20,000, 23,000. Fornication is any kind of sexual uncleanness. It can be lesbianism, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage. It can be having sex with other people while you're married. And it can and absolutely be race mixing as well. And Balaam, the prophet of God, who was seduced to sin against God for fame and money, was killed also. He taught Balak how to destroy Israel by sedu- seducing them to fornicate with foreigners, and the wrath of God killed 23,000 of, of them. This fornication was not just sex outside of marriage, because if you read the account, the men of Israel were entering into marriage contracts with these foreign heathens. The eating of things sacrificed to idols while joined to Baal was a part of sex orgies involved in the worship of Baal. In Numbers chapter 25, verse 3, And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Joined himself is contracts of marriage where they gave sons and daughters for power and money and alliances. Compromising. Compromising God's word. Moses had just given them the law to be separate and to be holy and not to give their sons and daughters to the foreigners in marriage and make contracts with them, have any kind of contracts or dealings with them that way. And yet, here they are. The first temptation that comes along where they can gain power and prestige and money by joining with foreigners and there they are giving their sons and daughters. What happens today? What happens today with our leaders, our Christian leaders compromising with the governments, compromising with the world, bringing in foreigners to live among us, to fornicate and to give them contracts of money to join with us what happens to us when we as Christians vote for this type of leadership when you vote for this type of leadership you are giving assent you are giving them the pledge of your word and you are making these government men your agent An agent is someone who works in your place. You are not able to do it, so you send your agent. And therefore, when you vote for these people that do all this evil in the world, you have become a person who enabled them. You have made them your agent. And when they go astray and do all this stuff, and you vote for them and you continue to vote, are you not standing in God's way? If God's wrath and judgment comes upon the world of the ungodly and you're mixed up with it and get struck down, do you think that, oh, it was the devil harming us, it was the devil hurting us? Or do you recognize what it is, God's wrath being poured out on you because you were standing in God's way as an agent of Lucifer?
standing in his stead, taking on the place of God's enemy. Marriage outside your race is fornication and is a contract with the heathen, which was forbidden in the Old and New Testament, and God hates it. In the New it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness. And let us remember the people that we're joining with in Christian brotherhood. Are they Christians? Are they Christians just because they say, oh, I believe in Jesus? Or are we being seduced to be unequally yoked because they're men of prestige, power, and money? And we like to be rubbing shoulders with them. After all, they said they're Christian. Numbers chapter 31, verse 8. And they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest of them that were slain, namely Evi and Rechem and Zer and Hur and Reba, five kings of Midian. Balaam also, the son of Beor, they slew with the sword. The man of God got cut down, being found in the place of God's enemies the prophet of God. I hear that. You're saying, oh, well, brother, that is Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see God warning people to repent, and he destroyed believers who got in his way. You see that? God does destroy people that gets in his way. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Ananias and Sapphira, brother Ananias and Sapphira, taken out, standing in the way of God's enemy. New Testament Christians, believers, confessing Christ, confessing Jesus, probably baptized. Who am I to say they weren't saved? God took their flesh, their bodies out of the way for what they did. 
Who are you, Christian, to think that you can live in error and be in God's way and not be harmed? Why do you think you can serve the enemies of Jesus Christ, called the Jews and Muslims or anyone else, by giving them your time, your finances, your prayers, and allegiance, and walk away from it unscathed? I will tell you when Christ comes quickly, you will be roadkill in front of the armies of Jesus sent to destroy his enemies. Perhaps you will be be destroyed before he comes. When I say destroyed, I don't mean your spirit is condemned. If you're a brother, if you're saved by the Lord, it is saved. I'm talking about your flesh getting in the way of God's plan. I'm talking about you standing in direct opposition to the plans of Jesus Christ, knowingly or unknowingly, and then having to explain all the reasons why you did that to Jesus Christ himself at the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And Luke witnesses, Luke 3, verse 9. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Hmm. God loves everybody. God wouldn't do any harm to anyone. Hmm. He'll take care of his enemies and even those whom he loves that stand in his way that don't repent. To the church at Pergamos, Jesus warned in Revelations chapter 2, verse 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. God was not too in love with these Christians at this time, was he? Hmm? What did he say? Uh, It's clear, I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them. Oh, these were Christians. They had the word of God. They were shortly removed from the first century saints. They had the word, the truth. They probably had martyrs in their history and their background. And yet they fell into deceit into deception into pride into thinking their way was the right way and started to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit the fornication we've been talking about as well as who knows what else they did and jesus said repent he warned them and hey all of revelations is past present and future amen every one of these words apply to you and me today amen as well as anyone else. If there's another generation of Christians, it will apply to them. So Jesus says to us, and you know your heart, you know your ways, 
Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against you, me, with the sword of his mouth. Again at the church in Thyatira, Jesus warns them. Revelations chapter 2, verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess. First of all, what are they doing having a woman teaching in their church at all? It's fine for her to teach her children or the other women, the older women teaching the younger women. But what's she doing teaching in the church, opening the door to error and deception, not following the instructions of Scripture, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. What do you think if all of this one world government, one world race, one world Tower of Babel system came into place. What would there be when Jesus comes to earth? Would he find faith on, faith on the earth? It looks like we're heading this way because Jesus says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Mm. But at least the Lord is warning us. In verse 21, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So church, saints, we can see where where we're heading here. And you know your own life and I know mine. Let's not be found on the wrong side. Great tribulation, folks. Do you see a connection? This will be a main cause of the wrath of God on the world and part of His church. The churches of leaders teaching them to do this today, the fornication. Am I saying that's the only reason God's judgment's coming? No. But if you look, Why did the judgment come the first time to Noah and his generation? Was it not because of the fornication, the fallen angels mixing with the daughters of men and all the other forms of race mixing and chimeras and species mixing that was going on that's going on today? And in verse 23 of chapter 2 in Revelations, And I will kill her children with death. Now, that is pretty clear. This is what he's saying to a church. And he is telling them, I'm going to kill your children with death unless you repent. And, you know, we pick up the Bible and we read that. and we, Oh, hmm, that's... Whatever. And continue reading. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Hey, there's no getting away from it. 
There's no getting away from it. God knows your heart, and he's judging it, and he's seeing. You can lie to everyone. You can lie to yourself. God sees it. Woe, killing your children with death and tribulation. I was told God loved everybody and wanted everyone healthy, happy, blessed and joyously celebrating life. It's his way of reaping what you sow. Sow evil and reap the whirlwind. To the church at Sardis, Jesus warned, Revelations chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. We're saying, oh, he's saying he didn't find them perfect. I mean, we're happy if we get one thing or two right now and then. Verse 3, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And guess what happens when he comes upon thee like a thief? When he comes quickly, he comes bearing a sword, a sword of judgment. Some were still spiritually alive in this church, but as a corporate body of Christ, they were dead. They'd fallen and backslidden and compromised and done so much. Repent quickly. You do not want to be hated by Christ and find yourself in his way when he comes. This activity can most certainly be applied to the church today as well as the past, as well as the future. To the church of the Laodiceans, the last day's church, Jesus warns, Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spoo thee out of my mouth. We all know that, you know, lukewarm in in Don's taught us you know how if you're cold god can correct you and if you're hot for god and in love with him hey he's just going to help you do it all the more but if you're cold at least he can chasten you and chastise you and bring you back but if you're lukewarm you're all self-satisfied and deceived and think you've got everything going for you and god loves you and you love him and all this stuff you're doing it's fine with god And what does he say? I will spoo thee out of my mouth. Now, these are Christian folks. Or at least that's what they say they are. These are brothers and sisters in the Lord. At least that's what they say they are. They made a confession. They were baptized. They went to church on Sunday. I will spoo thee out of my mouth. What does that mean? 
That means you're no longer a part of the body. Some can lose their salvation. Not the elect. But some can lose their salvation. They're spewed out. They're not a part of the body anymore. Verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich. Oh, I believe in the prosperity gospel. Look, I have been blessed of God. I am rich. Christ has affirmed my righteousness with worldly riches and healing and blessing. I'm just like Abraham. (laughs) And God says, and they said, and increased with goods and had of need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. In other words, do good works. Do what I said. Fulfill my word. Obey my word. Love your brother and reach out. Put wheels to your love. Give, help, counsel. Take the burdens of your brethren. Bear their burdens and their suffering. Help them. And you will get yourself real gold tried by fire. And you will have yourself purged of your evil by the Lord and you will have gold that will be able to be spent on the other side eternal rewards that you would be that you mayest be rich in white raiment that you mayest be clothed the righteous works of the saints right white raiment that you mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Oh, thank you, Lord. I thank God that he's still willing to talk to me, that he's still willing to rebuke me, that he's Amen. still willing to chasten me, Amen. that he's still willing to scourge if necessary or do what's necessary because I don't want to be found on the other side. I don't want to be found as an agent of Lucifer, of the Antichrist. I don't want to be found in the place of the enemies of God, being a son of God, being found in the place of his enemies when he comes quickly and having to be taken out just like his enemies. The Laodiceans were the civil rights church. You know, pastor taught us this, and I've seen it in the scriptures. The people's rights church. The right is might of the people. The right is might of the people. In their way of thinking, everyone would be equal in the eyes of God. No one is any different. Everyone gets the same. Go tell that to Korah. He and Dathan and Abilah, with all that pertained to them, that went down to the pit. They tried to rebel and take over from Moses and Aaron. And 250 other men who were going to join them were consumed by fire in rebellion. And 14,700 died in the plague released in number 16. Oh, side note, when I was reading this, guess what I read? Never seen it before, but it says in Numbers 26.11, Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Hmm. God loves everybody the same. Rulership by the people, Laodicean said. 
rulership by the people, everybody, God loves everybody the same, the people run the show. It is not God's church, they say. The God of the Bible, if taken literally, is unfair, not civilized. You must take it allegorically. Otherwise, you are not operating in a spirit of love and compassion and acceptance. All men have the same civil rights before God. You just don't know how to interpret God's word right. You have to do it in the spirit, brother. The Spirit is loving and compassionate to all, and we all can live together in one big mongrelized one-world race church. That's what the Laodiceans would have been their doctrine. Hmm. God said, as many as I love, I rebuke and be zealous, therefore. He's coming quickly, and he's coming bearing the sword. Matthew 10 Verse 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is someone God really hates, brethren. And I'm not saying we're there. You know what's going on in your life, but I know that's true of many of the people that say they are Christians today walking this earth. Father, I pray that you use this word of warning, this word of correction, this word of encouragement even, to see us not to be unequally yoked, not to commit these errors, to not be political, to not worry about being accepted by everyone in our family or our friends or in our churches and being compromisers and being politically, to be politically correct and to be loved by them because they may say one thing with their mouth but they can be standing in the place of the enemy with their doctrines, with what they're saying. Help us, Lord, to be separate and holy. And not just separate and holy by withdrawing ourselves from those who are obviously in error, but to be separate and holy in performing the Word of God at the same time and loving our brethren. And Father, I pray tonight that my feeble attempt at showing a little bit of who you are and what your word says and what is the truth for our day. I pray that if any of these things please you, that you give them wings. And if any of these words please you and you desire to spread, give them wings, wings of the Holy Spirit, and use them, Father, in the name of Jesus to glorify your Son and to establish and build your work, and to continue to do what you've done since the foundation of the world. And I give you thanks for this in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. 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 Amen, amen. Uh, Folks, David had no idea that I was even going to say anything tonight. 
and I know Brother Chad's done picked up on it himself about the stuff that Brother David said. The Holy Spirit's got something for somebody out there. I can assure you that. There's three witnesses I know. I know the Lord done been dealing with them to go along these same lines without any collaboration and without any knowing what the other one was going to say anything about. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Chad? Amen. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely blows my mind to see the Lord do stuff like this. It just it just didn't it just make it just increases my faith and I just got a big smile when I listen to this stuff. He had no idea that what stuff that I was going to talk about or what Brother Chad was going to be preaching about Monday night. Just amazing stuff. The Lord never ceases to amaze me. With and his that people. is very true. I confirm. I didn't have any idea at all. <laughs> Praise yeah. be to God, Dave. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. Good job. Absolutely. Now, I do. Um, how long have we been on, Chad? Uh, it's about hour and uh, hour and a half now. Okay. Not to try to add in on to anything that Brother Dave said, but quickly turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Brother Chad, I want you to start reading at verse 7. In Hebrews chapter 10, what the stuff Brother Dave's talking about, the Christians, I want you just to listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not. Neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Now this is the Lord Jesus talking, folks. Go ahead. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He's talking about the covenants. He doeth away with the first, that he may establish the second. Go ahead. By the which, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. You got that, folks? Once and for all. Saints of God, listen, go ahead. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From thenceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Read that verse again. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. 
and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Remember what I told you all at the first of the program? Continue, brother. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Absolutely. Sounding good so far, isn't it? Continue on, brother. And let, verse 24, Hebrews 10, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful, fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. There's that judgment seat of Christ. Go ahead. Which shall devour the adversaries. It kills one, it cleanses the other. Go ahead. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. You got that, folks. Remember, he sanctified us forever. Remember back up there in verse 14, sanctified forever. But this fiery indignation, like Brother Dave's talking about and warning about, you better listen. Go ahead, brother. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Got that? You see the context? Go ahead. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly, whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds. That's Paul. Go ahead. And took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, 
which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. You got read it again. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Yeah, God is love, but God is also a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Folks, I harp about this stuff all the time. Go to First Second Timothy chapter four, brother. Yeah, I'm already there. Okay. I just want to go over a few things quickly. Maybe I won't get strung out too long on them. But this is Paul's swan song. And he's talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, who's a preacher boy. He's a pastor at Ephesus, the Ephesian church. Now I want you to listen to what he tells him to do, what his last words are to his son, Timothy. Anybody that feels like God's called them to preach, you listen to what he says. Okay? Go ahead, brother. Second Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Y'all notice the two different judgments there? One for the quickening, that's the life, that's the first resurrection, and the dead, that's the second resurrection. At his appearing, at the gathering, the judgment seat of Christ, and at his kingdom, and at his kingdom, that, that, that millennial kingdom, at the end of that, the great white throne judgment. Go ahead, brother. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. If you've been called to preach, that's what you preach the word. You don't preach social doctrine. You preach the word. If you ain't got it, you can't preach it. Okay? So you got it. With all long-suffering and doctrine... With all long-suffering and doctrine. I put emphasis on the word doctrine. You'll see why in a few few minutes. Continue, brother. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And we're there. We are. We've been there. Downhill sliding. Time period, probably the big slide started around 1880. Go ahead, brother. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's the program, whores. That's the jumping from one to another. You can't get settled if somebody's got something new. It tickles your ears. Go ahead, brother. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth 
and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now go to First Timothy, brother. Which which chapter? First Timothy chapter two. No, five, yeah. First Timothy chapter two. Okay. Um, let's see what verse is that. Wait, I think it's chapter three. First Timothy three sixteen. Okay. The last verse of First Timothy three. It'll be seventeen. It'll be sixteen and seventeen. There's only sixteen. Okay, it's in chapter two then. Okay. Uh, two only goes to verse fifteen. I've got still got it wrong. Mm, let me see. Go to Second Timothy three, brother. Sure. And sixteen and seventeen. Okay, the last two verses. Yes. Right. Okay, I see where it is. Of course, Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Listen, brother David told you all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He told you, past, present, and future, every word of this blessed book you hold in your hand is applicable to you. That's right, Y-O-U, in some shape, fashion, or form. He's fixing to tell you the reasons here, okay? Go ahead, brother. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Number one thing this book is for is doctrine. That solid scriptural truth about a topic. Go ahead, brother. For doctrine, for reproof. Remember, reproof. Go ahead, brother. For correction. Get things right. You be you need you need the hide peeled off of you. I need the hide peeled off of me because we're sinners saved by grace. Ain't none of us perfect. For that fellowship we need to have of First John chapter one, we need to hear. We need to let the Word of God strip us down. Okay, correct us. Continue, brother. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Absolutely, absolutely. Go back up to chapter, right there in the same chapter, brother, and start at verse 1. And let's watch this. These people that have a form of godliness, okay, they're they're acting Christian. Or you wouldn't see having a form of godliness. Let's see about their nature. Let's see about the lay of the sea in church. Go ahead, brother. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. In other words, it only matters what you want, not what the book says and what the Lord wants. See, it, uh, everything's relative. Your truth is all that matters. Continue, brother. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unseparate. That's what the word holy means, is separate. Go ahead, brother. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, 
incontinent, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Getting made fun of because you believe the truth and hold to the truth no matter what. It's coming, folks. The persecution's coming big time. Haven't you? Listen, listen. The more and the closer we get to the end, the less and less and less people that are going to be glued to the real truth. Okay? I'm not talking about some outlandish J-Dub Jehovah Witness crap, no stupid stuff like that. I'm talking about one book and one set of truths that you can trace back to the first and second century that's been brought through for 2,000 years. Okay? You're going to get fewer and fewer and fewer. There is not going to be no growth, per se. It's going to be stragglers, the elect stragglers that come to the knowledge of the truth. They realize it, they love it, and they stick with it. Amen. Period. Continue, brother. Traitors. Petty. High-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That one, that one part of the verse right there, you could spend two hours and never exhaust it. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Do you realize where that'll get you, brother and sister, at the judgment seat of Christ? Exactly what Brother Dave was warning about. It might even get you that before your time. Because if you're not pliable, and if you're not chastenable, and scourgeable, and have that malleable heart, and the Lord don't love you, He'll take you out. There is a sin unto death. You did know that, right? It's in Second John. Continue, brother. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. See, they're Christian. They're, they claim to be Christian. They have a form of godliness. They dress in suits. They go to church every Sunday. They claim Jesus. They wave their hands, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they go out, they, they'll wave their hands in the big, broad buildings with the white walls and all the luxurious carpet and hug and scream and do all this stuff. That's a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Are you supposed to hang with them? What does Paul say, brother? From such turn away. You got that? From such turn away. He's talking about people that have a form of godliness. Your own people, if they go that way, turn away from them. God is a divider. The Lord Jesus Christ came to divide, not to join together. He said He came to bring a sword. He said He came to turn mother against father. A daughter against brother, mother-in-law against father, all that stuff. See, you don't want no part of that. 
You want to go along to give along. It don't, folks, it don't work in the end. It may work while you're here, three score and ten. And you this this little life you got going down here, it may work out fine down here in your own mind. But folks, when that last breath is gone, it's a different ball game. Eternity is a long, long time. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'll show you this Jesus bunch. I'll show you how to watch out for them. There's some things they do. They do. That you can always catch them on. This is, this is what the book says about it. Not in my opinion. Start at verse 22, brother. Matthew 7 verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Watch it now. Watch the categories. Have we not prophesied in thy name? Oh, my goodness, you can find them everywhere. And in thy name have cast out devils? What? Cast out devils? Sounds like a pretty good Christian to me. Go ahead. And in thy name done many wonderful works? Wow. Continue. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Wow. Church is full of them. Church is full of them. You know, there's 220 million, supposedly 60%. Thanks to Brother Lawson giving me the numbers I picked up from him. Approximately 220 million professing Christians from all persuasions Across the board. In other words, that's how many claim to be Christian. And you got buildings like Joel Osteen, all those big, they're full, they're jam-packed, man. And just because somebody makes fun of you or jumps on your case because you be, you believe in your own race and you've got the race issue straightened out, that don't mean that's persecution, folks. We down south, we've been that way all along. These folks up here, they cast out... In his name, cast out devils, did many wonderful works. He didn't know them. He didn't know them. Is that number uh, just for the U.S., Don? Yeah, that's just for the U.S. Okay. That's not including Canada. Okay, yeah, because I, I was thinking... Claim. 60% claim to be, say they go to church every Sunday, 60%. That's some poll, bro. Um, Brother Lawson put out that number. I heard him say it, so I'm going by what he said. Sure, and what percent of those are staying home on Sundays to watch football and uh, put down money? Well, that's, that's, we're talking about people that profess Christianity, okay? You see, back in, in chapter 3, verse 7 here, brother, in 2 Timothy, read verse 7. See, this is, you've got to be, <laughs> oh, yes. They're they have a form of godliness. Read verse seven, brother. Second Timothy three. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse yeah. 7. Got it. Ever learning and, er, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, ever learning. What did you, what, what is, what's, what's going on today? What did you learn today? But never able to come to knowledge of the truth. The truth don't change, folks. The truth's not relative. The same thing that was true in 100 A.D. is true today. Because the Word of God don't change. Contrary to what every, I say everybody, I'm speaking in a broad net, broad term. They can, they, can, they can try to change that book and cut that book all they want to. You only got one that God's put his stamp of approval on. Whether you, it don't matter if you like it, you can lump it. Because that's just a fact. Period. And then Paul gives an Old Testament reference to, to about some people, some Israelites. Then he talks about these Egyptian magicians that withstood Moses, and these un, these Christians with the un, with the form of godliness are withstanding the truth like these Egyptians did Moses. Read verse eight, brother. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. See there? They have a form of godliness, folks, but deny the power thereof. Continue reading, brother. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. There you go. Reprobate concerning the faith. Ever learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Continue reading, brother. But they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Now, it sure will be. If their, their, their body is smoking, if smoke goes up in smoke, and the spirit's saved, and they're saved, yet so as by fire, yet it's going to be manifest to all men. See, I didn't say these people were lost, folks. I didn't, I ain't said that. I'm just telling you, like Brother Dave said, and he told you the truth. See, there's many members in that body. They're not all elect. I, I say it, I teach it because some of the brethren don't have guts enough to teach it. They're afraid somebody might say something to them or call them a name. I don't care. I answer to nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue reading, brother. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now, verse 12, if you do what he says, this will happen. There is no getting around it. 
There is no getting around it. It don't say some. It don't say a few. Read it, brother. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're living godly and holding to the to the literal truth of this book, you will be made there'll be some type of persecution come from some direction. Family, friends, don't matter it'll come from some direction. Whether you know what's going on or not's immaterial. You'll suffer the persecution. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'll look at him. He thinks that he thinks it's a sin to do so and so. He's an old fogey. See, that's what goes on out there. There is a reason that the last. Pockets. I said pockets. I didn't say individuals. There's a reason that the last pockets of true Bible-believing, literal interpretation of the Scriptures, Christianity, is in the South. Okay? As bad as it is, there's still pockets down here. In bigger pockets there than there are anywhere else. Continue reading, brother. And Pastor Don, uh, the the two words that will uh, is that I'm presuming that's your freedom of will. You're choosing absolutely. Yeah. And they because they're they're ones that are not going to live godly. They're not going to suffer persecution. See, Amen. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you obey, see, you got more commandments. To obey in the new covenant under the new in the epistles. That's why they try to get they try to make it historic just historical documents. They try to get away from it. They the, some of these teachers out there, oh the epistles, all we gotta worry about is the gospels and so and so and the uh, and the and the Torah and the Old Testament. Oh sin sin's nothing but a transgression of the law. No, that's one. If you don't do right and you know to do right, you're sinning then. There ain't nothing about that in the law. The thought of foolishness is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, folks. Listen. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You know... We're supposed to keep up those barriers. We're supposed to dwell in the habitations where God set us. There's not supposed to be any race mixing going on. And you can even, you want to split hairs. There's even a separation you have to have amongst your own people, folks. Dunn mentioned it. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, Second Corinthians 6. Brother Dave read it. And for some of you folks that I know, some of my brethren from Bible school listen to every 
one of these broadcasts, okay? You was taught better. If you're buying into this racial mess, if you're buying into it, you were taught better. And let me show you how Brother Dave knows what he was talking about was, was literal race mixing and not just sexual fornication. Turn to Hebrews 12, brother. Real quick, Brother David. Turn to Hebrews 12 and go down there where the Lord's talking about to, about Esau. Okay. This is your New Testament proof. Ain't nothing changed when it comes to this. Acts 17 said God has set forth the bounds of everybody's habitation. They're supposed to stay in their own place. Uh, the Southerners always used to have a word for it. They know their place. And they did for years. It was forced on us. We didn't do it by choice. Read that about Esau right there, brother. Okay. Verse 16, Hebrews 12, verse 16. Let there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Okay, he was a fornicator. How do you know it was race mixing? Go read it. He took Canaanite wives. Yes. And that's the way you know that fornication is race mixing sometimes in the context, folks. And I believe the reason why the, the morsel of meat sold his birthright is connected with that is because he knew he had already lost it. Yeah. And he saw it. He saw it. He had tried to get it back. Keep on reading and they'll see. Yes. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. See there? You don't want to be in that position, folks. He was the twin brother of Jacob. You hear what I said? Twin brother. <laughs> Israelite. Twin brother. The oldest. Brother Dave's sermon tonight was a good warning. Very good warning to a lot of people that listen to this on download. Pastor Don? Brother Dave? Yes, I'm here. Sounds like uh, we might have lost Pastor Don. There's that same clicking sound I heard before yes. when I called yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like we have lost him. Kevin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well... Shall we wait a few minutes, or shall we close the program? Uh, looks like uh, Don's back. Don's back. He's back. I see his icon there, but it's got a red bar through it. Is that what you see? Mm-hmm. Can you hear us, Brother Don? Hold on, let me. Get... He's probably just putting in his. Uh... Oh, there. You there. His pin. Yeah. You there? Yes. Uh-huh. Amen. Can y'all hear me? Amen. Okay, as I was saying, 
the warning that Brother Dave gave tonight was strictly from the Spirit of God, folks. Listen, I wanted to talk about the same thing that he was talking about tonight. He hit all the scriptures I was going I was going to go to except for a few. All right. So you t- you pray about that warning in your own life. You don't want to be found naked. Brother Don's been screaming it for going on four years. You're relate. Listen, you can be wrong on your prophecy. You can be wrong. You could even be wrong on race to a certain degree. Okay? That's got nothing to do with yourself. I'm talking about you individually. Okay? You could be wrong. You could be messed up on some of your doctrine, but there's one doctrine you cannot be wrong on. And that's the doctrine of the gospel of the grace of God, the blood atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ for your sins. Amen. You cannot be wrong on that. You can argue and bicker and scream about all the politics and all the other stuff you want, but you better not be wrong on this one. On the gospel, on the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, His blood atonement, and your acceptance of that as payment, finally and forever, a full payment for your sin. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No works involved, period. Still there? Yes. Okay. Brother Dave, if you would turn to Romans 10. Okay. Read the first four verses and then just read from. Okay, I'll read the first four verses. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Continue on, brother. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. See, you don't do squat. Your righteousness is all by Jesus Christ. Continue reading, brother. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. Now, generally generally speaking, what is he talking about? The word is nigh thee. Because there's a reason he says it. 
because this is part of it. He that confesseth me before men, the Lord said, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Okay? Uh, this, this, <laughs> that's just the way it is. This is the way. Listen, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Continue reading, Brother Dave. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 in a nutshell. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ accepted by the individual as the, free, as the atoning free gift given by God. Continue reading, brother. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Watch it now. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He that confesseth me before man, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Continue reading, brother, and we'll get shut this thing down. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. That, that do what, brother? Unto that call all upon him. That call upon him, yes. Continue. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 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 Period. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it always has been. Amen. That's the way it always has been, folks. What time is it, Brother Chad? How long have we been on? Already two hours, probably, I'm sure. Just over. Okay, we'll go ahead and shut her down for tonight. Is there any questions in the chat room whatsoever about anything that's been said tonight? I see no questions. Okay. If you would, Brother Chad, go ahead and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Okay? Yes. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the assembly tonight, and we're very thankful that your Holy Spirit has exhorted our brother Dave to a wonderful teaching. Lord, very, very well spoke. Very well read your words, Lord. You are the word. You are the saving grace that we that we call upon, Lord. When we call upon, we say your name, Jesus Christ. You yes. are the Lord, Jesus Christ. It's only through you that the Father can hear us, Lord. And so we talk to you as our friend, Lord. We we need you in our lives, Lord. For sometimes maybe we are ashamed. Why are we ashamed, Lord? This is not right. This is not righteousness. This is sin. This is not you, Lord. If there's any ashamedness in our hearts, Lord, or in our minds, or in our souls, 
We ask that you flush it out of us, Lord, that you fill us with conviction, that you fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we may go out there with our with our new with the truth that we've heard tonight through you, through the Holy Spirit, Lord, and that we be able to make 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 a difference in ourselves, Lord, yes. to make a stand for you, Lord, to show that the cross that you bore for us, Lord, isn't completely on your shoulders, Lord, but that we've taken the peace of it, that you've given us the peace of it through your faith in us, Lord, that you've given us a piece of, of that cross that we more more than gladly will will carry with us for the rest of our lives, Lord. And if there be persecution for, for calling on your name and saying Jesus Christ is the Lord and I love Jesus Christ, well then, so be it, Lord. Amen. Amen. The word says that that's what it will be, and that's fine with us, Lord. We would rather be with you than than have favor with any reprobate mind, want to be, pretend to be Christians of however many billions are in the world, Lord. I don't see very many of them around, Lord. Man, I I see many many of those that you, that you describe in in uh, in First Timothy three, Lord, Second Timothy three, Lord. They're everywhere, Lord, and we know that by by calling on you, we will make those those enemies, and they will hate on us. But you know what? We rejoice in everything. We'll, we'll pray without ceasing, Lord. If if it be your will, give us the strength. Give us the strength to, to go in that closet and give us camel knees, Lord. You know, we don't pray enough. There's no way that we pray enough. There's no way that we repent enough. Some days those angels... In, in, in the kingdom of God have, have nothing to praise. Maybe there's one man hasn't repented one thing today, Lord. If, if, there's been no, if there's been no repentance, Lord, let us repent. Show us an unforgiven sin in our life, Lord, that we can repent and say, listen, Lord, I repent. I will not do this. This is not of you. I, it doesn't feel right. I know it's not of you. It's not in my heart to do it, Lord, when I when I'm with myself inside my in, in my inner man, Lord, and my outward man is is is, is starving and, and struggling, then I can hear you, Lord. And, and and we can love you that way, Lord. For you are the king of all things and we're just so blessed, Lord, to have an assembly where we have two and three and four and five witnesses and six and seven witnesses, Lord, and, and, and hundreds of, of witnesses to our voices and, and our supplications and our prayers, Lord, that for however much time there is on, on this plane, Lord, however much time that, that, that you've allotted for us, we just ask that we be able to do your will, Lord, and to glorify your name in everything that we do, in every waking moment, Lord, that we not forget that you, through your precious blood, have granted us the grace of your, of your salvation and your faith, and it's through your faith in us, Lord, that we have any such faith. And we know you, Lord. We know, you know, even though it is the evidence of things unseen, There's, we know you, Lord. We know you are here with us, and we know you are coming back. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, yes. and your name is precious and holy to us. And we look forward to your time coming, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, we pray for all these things. Jesus Christ, amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. Brother Dave, real quick, turn to Philippians chapter 3 and read verse 8 and 9. Least any of the downloaders or somebody be doubting what I'm saying about righteousness. The only to be to be in the presence of a holy God, you have to have God's righteousness. Okay? Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Amen. You see, folks, it ain't got nothing to do with you. All your righteousness is his filthy rags when it comes to God. Your righteousness is for reward after salvation. That's why it's so that's why I'm talking about it all the time. That's why Brother Dave talked about it tonight. And I will continue because we're at the jumping off place, folks, in history. How long is it gonna be? I don't know. But we're at the jumping off place. And as Paul, listen, Paul put it so beautiful in Galatians 2. And everyone ought to memorize this and adopt it in their own life and strive. Put your, put your goal way out on the limb and try to get out to the end of that limb. And you'll be miles ahead of everybody else, okay? When it comes to servitude and reward at the judgment seat of Christ. But this is the way Paul put it. For I am crucified with Christ. Put yourself in there, see. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. It's Christ's faith that the Father would raise him that saves you and I. Period. Amen. Okay, the contact information for Don Spears' ministry Telephone number 334-397-2333. Again, that's 334-397-2333. The mailing address is 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1. The mailing address again is 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017. The email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. Respect to the 
Lord at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening tonight, everyone. Don, are you back? I guess not. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Sunday night, God willing. And Pastor Don will be teaching from Daniel chapter 8. And Brother Chad, I'll see you then. Amen, Brother Dave. Great and Kevin, again. thank you. Yeah, and Kevin, Kevin, thank you very much, Kevin, for running things, and we'll see you again Sunday night. If anyone, uh, do you have a song queued, Kevin? No. I have one here that I can play, if you want. Okay. Okay. Uh, good night, everyone.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.